gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retweet. Hello everyone, my name is Scott McLeod and I am welcoming you to an episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex Retreat that I have been waiting for for a long, <laughs> long time. Because whenever somebody suggests, what new ideas, what new things should we talk about on the show, I always say, it's got to be Kane. And now finally, we are here bringing you a look back at the career of the greatest masked wrestler, fuck your Rey Mysterios of Today's all time. the Kane show? Yes. I'm leaving, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did my big shirt wear a picture of Kane's mask and not give it away? That's what you wear every day anyway, so... Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> really should get this washed. <laughs> But uh, before we get started with the show and I introduce my panel, a bit of housekeeping. Remember, you can follow us on all forms of social media, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. And remember, you can subscribe to us on all Android podcast sites. Doesn't matter if they're good or bad, Stephen Wilson. We're not here to judge them. That would be Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember to look at our brand spanking new, well, it's not new anymore, website with all the links to our shows, all past articles from members of the panel. And you remember there's a link on there to our Facebook community page where you can talk with us and give favourite moments and contribute with our shows. Now, all out of the way, let's meet the panel. Now, for me, part of the reason I, I identify with Kane is I had a similar relationship with my sibling. You know how it is, typical kid stuff. He tries to set you on fire, you try to bury your sibling alive. <laughs> it's not worked because he's still here. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ross McLeod, hi Ross. Hello, yes, I've tried to set Scott on fire many a time. Uh, Thanks to a court order, I don't need to talk about it anymore. Move swiftly on. Is <laughs> <laughs> anyone else uncomfortable all of a sudden? Just a bit, yeah. <laughs> it's just Look, unlike Ryan Giggs, my gagging order will work okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on, sitting next to me is a guy who's been burned more times on the show than Kane in an Inferno match. <laughs> it's funny that Kane played a dentist before he played Kane because sometimes talking to this man is like pulling teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's the proprietor of Hockney's Hoagie House, it's David Hockney. Yeah, right, Scott. Yeah, right, Dave. Yeah, I mean, pulling teeth is pretty sore, so, and I have been burned many, many times on this show. But, you know what? Consistency. Do you like how you could just find silver linings and the absolute biggest roast in there for an hour for that? <laughs> ah, that's, that's the power of positivity. Oh, no, you've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, this man feels like he's from parts unknown because we can never get him on this bloody show. <laughs> He's back after a long hiatus. It's Andy Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, how are you doing? Long time no see. <laughs> yeah, well, where, where have you been, man? We've been waiting for you. I've been, you know, I've been looking for my mask, that's what it is, you know. <laughs> Went to this Kenshin. As Andy's representative, he has no further response. Move on. Well, from Hellfire and Brimstone to a well fired role, please welcome our EP, the Under Baker. <laughs> 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 I'll give you that one. I was gonna pick. I was gonna have a fight with you because you said well fired. I'll cr- I cook a nice crispy roll, not a not a proper charred one that you get presented that it's like coal. See, see, that's finding a silver lining. Like my coal. <laughs> yeah, nah, nice and crispy. Slide into my DMs for an order. <laughs> well, in the meantime, let's let's talk about it, Kane, shall we? That's why reason we're all here. But before we talk about Kane, let's talk about the man behind the mask. We'll talk about Glenn Jacobs because it's fair to say he's he's had a few gimmicks before Kane that didn't quite or aren't quite as well well remembered. It's fair. It's a case of at first you don't succeed, try and try again because 
first off he was in the USWA in Memphis as the Christmas creature mm-hmm. brought specifically to feud with Jerry Lawler very much a seasonal occupation you know like bar work in Ibiza is fine mm-hmm. in the summer the Christmas creature I don't think is getting many bookings <laughs> yeah. on the Great American Bash you know? <laughs> feels very much like a character you'd find in Southpaw Regional Wrestling uh, he went to Smoky Mountain Wrestling where he wrestled as the Unabomber and, and a tag team where he was tag team champions with Al Snow you can find Ross's interview with Al Snow in our back catalogue and all good Android podcasts and sites thank you very much it's the earliest we've ever found a plug uh, even at a time in Smoky Wrestling they would occasionally when WWE had a deal with them they'd send wrestlers down and you can actually find them in WWE's Hidden Gems section of the network you can find a match between Kane as the Unabomber against The Undertaker I believe it was in 94 while I was taking time off. And the match never got any better afterwards. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we'd never see that like again. No. Mm-hmm. And then he would come into the WF. I mentioned Gerald Lawler earlier. He was brought in by Gerald Lawler as his personal dentist, Isaac Yankum DDS, <laughs> who had a legendary feud that we all remember to this day with Brett the Hitman Hart. I just want to say, it's like, what did Vince McMahon when he sees this seven foot guy coming and goes, you know what? You're going to be a dentist, man. Mm. It was the time of you know, the golden era. Everybody had a like a sort of occupational gimmick about them and I think that they, I'm not sure they had any dentists at the time so I suppose it was a good thing this is the bottom of the barrel well, well, like, was the joke like Isaac Yankin was meant to have pretty bad teeth to begin with yeah he does yeah, yeah. I like how you said as well like what does he think he broke up his most popular tag team demolition to make one of them basically the hamburglar it's like <laughs> breaking up the new day and going you know what I think would be quite good for you Accountant. <laughs> That's basically what he did. And the Reaper Man's still working this day. He caught Chris Jericho a few weeks ago, last week. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, he had that. Yeah, that gimmick. He had a match at SummerSlam. The gimmick was around for a, a year, I believe, which is a lot longer. And his, we all remember his fondly remember his theme song, which is basically a drill. He also had an elimination in the Royal Rumble, which they don't ever mention on WWE's. <laughs> <laughs> counting of the Royal Rumble eliminations but on Wikipedia it's there it's 44 Scott <laughs> the dream has no memory of that <laughs> but you would hope to move on to better things from Isaac wait a minute did you just call yourself the dream yes. you're a nightmare <laughs> fucking pot kettle <laughs> <laughs> alright yeah, I'll that TJ <laughs> as I was saying <laughs> you'd hope after being given a dentist gimmick you'd, the next thing he'd give you was a bit better no, because he was on a really bad tribute act when he was meant to be fake Diesel. <laughs> Although he looked a lot more like Kevin Ash than Rick Bogner did like look like Scott Hall. I think it was just find somebody that's tall. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Kevin Ash has got a bit of charisma about him, whereas like <laughs> Kane at this point didn't. Kane found comedic timing later on, but you can see why they put him under a mask eventually because he just did not have that charisma thing that Kevin Ash had. And it was also around the time they, they turned JR heel and he was representing them for some reason, so it was just a bad idea all in. But eventually we would hear rumblings throughout late 97 from Paul Bear talking about a secret that he had on The Undertaker and he revealed it was the identity of his brother Kane and claimed The Undertaker burned his parents' funeral home alive with his parents and his brother inside it and he'd long thought his brother dead but no, his brother was going to come back and get revenge. And then finally... At Bad Blood 1997 inside the first ever Hell in a Cell. Historic. I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> Please edit that. Uh, Fitz McMahon would, would, in his throat burning way, would yell out, That's gotta be Kane! <laughs> As Kane made his way down the ring, tore the Hell in a Cell door off its hinges and dropped the Undertaker on his head. 
in a debut, I think it's got to be up there. With e- the only thing that can compare to it is maybe Chris Jericho's debut in terms of the greatest WWE debuts of all time. I think it's the best one, but the Tombstone is one of the worst <laughs> ones. It's like, we all remember the first time Austin stunned McMahon, but the stunner itself was absolutely horrendous. Absolutely. Uh, what would you say? Would this go down as one of the greatest wrestling debuts of all time, Dave? Definitely, yeah. It's just the way he, he sort of came out with the, the pyro and the flames. And there was nobody else he could have debuted against. You know, it was like, you know, you get all these vignettes, you know, hyping a debut of somebody. But having that sort of impact in what was a very sort of groundbreaking match to begin with, it, it just set the, set the standard for him that this is a guy to watch out for. Yeah, definitely. Andy? You- yeah, I thought it was, yeah, it's really good because... It ends in a DQ and it's well, it was a five-star match as well and how many, well not a DQ but an interference spot and it's, uh, yeah and it brought him in and I just remembered the sort of imagery of it, it's like it was all red and stuff and he comes in and obviously the call by McMahon's up there with <laughs> the boyhood dream has come true <laughs> and uh, what a manoeuvre <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's got to be Kane because what is it, we're still saying it 20 years later yeah. and yeah it's just that he just pulls off the cage door and then just goes in. Yeah, because as, as Dave was saying, he couldn't yeah. really debut against anybody else because his whole thing was he was coming back for The Undertaker and to get revenge, so it couldn't have been anybody else again but Undertaker. And the fact that it's the mask and the, and the costume as well, yeah. and it's just, you're just like, well, who is this guy? I want to know more about him. Uh, the, the red and black outfit is just so eye-catching. I think as well, it's a gimmick that very much worked for the time because those, as Andy said, the mask and that, like mm-hmm. you thought the buttons were there, you know, it's the mystique. Uh-huh. Whereas, like, nowadays it'd be like, oh, that's NXT standout, da da da, he's been on these live events, here's yeah. his picture. Oh, that's former Ring of Honor six man tag champ, <laughs> this guy, like, it just it ruins it straight away. Whereas, what is it worth you and booking people called da da da? I don't want to say, like, you, you, would, you would literally be the laziest general manager ever. <laughs> I da-da-da, mean, we'll go one on one with da da da, and he'll tag with thingamajigger to face. What do we call them? <laughs> I don't want to just say names in case. Referee by Liberty Gibbet. I don't want to just say people's names and people. Like, he would be a terrible cane like alright it was just an example so I go do 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 generic name and it was a safe that he debuted like in this era it would be a case of that's Isaac Yankman the, you know, <laughs> that's the fake diesel yeah doomsday yeah it's good that they didn't have internet back then and it was yeah. obviously there was still a bit of mystique behind what wrestling if wrestling was real or not like uh, when Bray Wyatt debuted Husky Harris chance yeah you know mm-hmm. you'd, you'd have got that like mm-hmm. the Isaac Yankman <laughs> Then Kane, from here on, he didn't have that many matches. He was just a bit of an attraction because the very next night on Raw, he beat up a very young Hardy Boys. Just came out, just destroyed them, and that was his whole thing for weeks on end. He'd come out, beat somebody up before a match, and he basically was challenging Undertaker, like, "Come on, fight me up a match." But obviously, he didn't see that. Paul Bear did all his talking for him, but like he was challenging Undertaker for a match, but Undertaker wouldn't wouldn't fight him. Uh, people, a lot of people don't know about like the '97 Survivor Series. Is also, following him for what happened in the movie, but I think some people forget Kane had his first match there. He fought former Paul Bear client Mankind, mm. which is a, a match I think gets overlooked. And then they would tease him and Undertaker have a bit of an alliance, and then that Kane would say would just prove that was not the case. And his first of many attempts at murdering someone on national <laughs> television, when he set on Undertaker in a casket and set it on fire, as Paul Paul Bear cackled maniacally it's a, it's a weird uh, recurring trope that people seem to just be okay with at this point that Kane just likes to murder people and set them on fire yeah I think he kind of cut some slack his childhood wasn't the greatest do you know what I mean like if you were kept in a, a basement and in an insane <laughs> asylum told you were set on fire constantly you know I think you'd be a wee bit angry as well mm-hmm. and that 
you'd want to force those kinds of behaviours on those you hate as well. So it's kind of like <laughs> taking what you took and then uh, sort of placing it on someone else. <laughs> and like we all have difficult childhoods, we don't all go setting people on fire. <laughs> and so then Kate would move on to a new target, another former Paul Bear client, Invader. They, were, they would have a match where Kate would win at No Way Out in Texas. And then post-match game would just smash Vader across the face with a wrench <laughs> for like nice. reasons. Wrench shots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then eventually the night after uh, the sh- after No Way Out, Undertaker would make return and they would set up the match for WrestleMania 14. I think it's fair to say this being the first match, it's, this has been the ma- the match between these two. It's a match that's been very hard to talk ever since, yeah. and God knows they've tried. Mm-hmm. It made Kane look so strong as well, like mm-hmm. having to take like three tombstones before he got yeah. put down. I mean, it, it was a good payoff to the feed in the fact that Undertaker came out on top, but it made Kane look, like, unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Kane was the one that walked away from that, and it was it just kicked out just after the free. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it's just, it's a good way to keep him strong. And, uh, yeah, it was a good match as well. It was probably one of the best Kane matches, actually. Yeah, I think this is the booking they should have kept with Kane mm-hmm. going forward, because as we see in 98, it's... There's a bit of a, a lost shuffle with Stone Cold, Undertaker, Mankind and Kane mm-hmm. and all of those guys shouldn't just be another guy but the yeah. way the attitude era was it's like oh these guys are the tag champs now, mm-hmm. oh these guys are that guy's the Cornell champ, oh no he's the world champ and you'd have hell in the cells on Raw and they wouldn't mean anything <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it is just it's this is peak Kane booking yeah. and it's peak long term storytelling as well you know, there's the famous shoot interview with Jim Cornette yelling about how Russo wanted to have Kane chokeslam Undertaker through a table the next night and they were like, no, keep them apart, keep them apart. And they were saying, keep Russo away from Vince because he'll love that idea. Like, yeah. no, just keep them apart. Yeah, because like he said, like, JR sells on Connie that this is the first time he takes multiple tombstones to put someone down. Like, JR, like, oh my god, the three tombstones. And then Kane's able to get right back up almost after the match and beat up Undertaker. So it took a lot out of Undertaker to put Kane down and it wouldn't be done there because then they'd have the first ever Inferno match at Unforgiven. You could tell immediately like Kane's starting to fall into the trap Undertaker did work with these weird gimmick matches because this would be kind of a thing with Kane because like, it was fire related match and also Kane wouldn't win this one either and then weirdly despite losing two matches on pay-per-view they said oh yeah you're going to fight Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WF Championship and also Paul Bear is your dad. Yeah it- <laughs> It's, it was a weird one, that's the tricky thing when you book these strong characters and you book an undefeated streak when it comes to an end you have to be very careful you have to be very careful when the next loss is mm-hmm. and I think two losses in a row and then as we'll talk about in a minute his WWE title run mm-hmm. kind of dampened the, the spark or the fire yeah. of, <laughs> yeah. of Kane. It wasn't the most convincing WWF title winner either because it was no. a, a first blood match as well. Yeah. So, I mean, how could you tell Kane was going to bleed? Because he basically almost, he was covered from head to toe mm-hmm. with the mask and the full jumpsuit and everything. And it was yeah. actually just his hand that was shown. Mm. I know you could tell, like, they were going to find a way to screw Austin out the title at some point and then it didn't help that they were following the, uh, the probably most iconic Kane on the Cell match of all time between Mankind and Elgig and then at one point they just randomly lowered the Cell for, for no reason, like mid-match, and then also Undertaker has to come in and basically cost, uh, her, cost Austin the match while Kane's laid out, so Kane doesn't even win it by himself, mm-hmm. and then the very next night probably just to pop White Reigns, because that's what it was all about back then, the Raws were more 
important than the actual pay-per-views themselves. Kane just loses the belt back, which and he, he's, he would hold world titles, but he'd never get the WWE title again. And I think it's a real missed opportunity to not have Kane, especially when he was being booked as well as he was, and he had still had that mystique about him to not give him another title reign. I think as well it's a missed opportunity, but also, like, now we used to always complain about Bray Wyatt's book and how he could never win on his own. Mm-hmm. That was something that annoyed me about Kane. Mm-hmm. Post WrestleMania, it was always Corporation or McMahon tried to screw Austin or Paul mm-hmm. Bear tried to screw The Undertaker. That's how he won the big matches. You're like, the guy's seven foot tall and can beat six guys up at once. I think it was just a case that it's like they've got a really great character and they've got a really great story, but it's in amongst the whole Austin and McMahon saga as well. You've got The Rock coming up and stuff, and it's just. If it was a different time, it would have worked better. He might have been a mm-hmm. long champion, but it's like he's just—he's in amongst the attitude era, mm-hmm. and it's just—it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, what do you do? It's—it's like, it's good that he got the one-day reign. He's still seen as a WWE t- uh, champion. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Like I say, he's still got that reign. That, like, mm-hmm. can't take away from his luck, even though it is very short. But moving into the late '98, Kane would start a thing that he's done quite a lot during his career, where he'd be randomly paired with somebody. And a kind of a random tag team. First, he ran. He and Mankind would win the tag team titles, and then they would main event the next uh, pay per view against uh, Austin and Undertaker. They would lose the titles, but then win them back anyway. And then Kane would just abandon Mankind to lose them to be beat up by the outlaws on his own. A uh, question to you guys: Try and guess how many tag team partners do you think Kane's had over the years that he's, and what he's won tag titles with? Eight. Dave says eight. About nine. I'm gonna go with seven. Back with Joanne Hazard, I guess. <laughs> uh, ten. Go for it. <laughs> it's actually Ross was right. He was seven. Yeah. <laughs> seven t- nine tag team partners. He's all won tag titles with, and he would win the tag title reign with Mankind would be the first of eleven tag title reigns that King would have. Mm. I think the most he would have would be with his brother, the Undertaker. But we'll get to that a bit later on. So then Kane, like Ross said, would ha- before, it's a weird thing that happened there too there, like, especially in 98, Kane v Undertaker, then Undertaker v Austin, then Kane v Austin, and then all three of them, and then it was the whole thing, like, are they on the same page? Whose side are they on? It's this whole thing, you guess, and, and then they would both pin Austin to vacate the title, so then they would have another match at Judgment Day for the title, and then Austin would uh, basically screw both of them out and then get fired. So it was car crash TV at the time, you didn't know what the hell was going to happen, and then Paul Bear would turn on Kane and Undertaker would turn heel saying, oh yeah, actually I did set that fire even though I, I swore for weeks I didn't do it. Yeah, I tried to murder you in a, in a house fire when you were just a child. Sorry, the attitude there, it was great, but see when you list, read it back and try to follow it, you're just like, this was garbage, this <laughs> yeah, was right. awful. Like Jerry Springer like type. Yeah, it yeah, was like, no. what's the biggest shock this week? And I think it was just because wrestling was such a accepted thing at the time that people just went with it it was a chaotic environment was just so prominent back in the day and nobody really gave a gave a a hoot about storylines or anything like that they just wanted to see like violence and chaos and just people beating each other up Mm -hmm. and like you said like we've been through so many swerves like Kane and Undertaker hate each other swerve they like each other swerve no actually Undertaker was using Kane but like and then Kane would he would be off on his own, like they said, for the first time in his life when Paul Bear would leave him. And he would lead to the 2nd of November episode of Raw titled Kane's Night of Destruction, where Kane we would get full entrance every every time. This is when the lights would go out and the organ music would come out. So he'd come out like three or four times throughout the night just destroying random people. 
and like by the third time, I watched it earlier, by the third time JR's wife's like, oh good god, not again. <laughs> but Austin used to do that as well, he used to yeah. just run out randomly and just beat up someone, so. Right, I was just thinking as well, like, we, with such a modern day, like, cynic, cynical fan base, like with social media and Twitter, can you imagine if the top star in WWE was refereeing the main event for the vacant world title and then decided to do a double pin and declare himself champion and leave. <laughs> People would go off the nut. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. Vince Russo written all over it. Yeah, I think they were just getting to the next thing because they were getting to the Survivor Series where they'd have that that tournament to decide the champion. Uh, then Kane, like you said, he was lost. He was looking for a direction. So Vince McMahon would bring him into the corporation, but not like you're not welcoming with open arms. You'd be saying, "Join my corporation. You're going back to that mental asylum." Mm. <laughs> You know, lovingly, and then Kane would uh, would wrestle in the 1999 Royal Rumble. He would clear house and then eliminate himself by ch- when he was chasing these white shirt guys from the mental asylum who were trying to put him in a straitjacket. Yeah, surely if somebody's got to try to take you back to a mental asylum with a straitjacket, you don't run towards them and fight them, you run the other way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically, like, I think it was the kind of thing where Kane believably could easily win the run. Like, we got to find a way for him, but let's just have him eliminate himself because he's big, but he's not that bright. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> It, it's something much like many things in the Attitude Era when you watch back uh, it doesn't age well in, a, mm. in an era where we're encouraging people to talk about mental health saying that he came from what Jerry Lawler used to refer to as the loony bin <laughs> and having The Rock call him a big red retard yeah, it's not, not like exactly did he actually say that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Jerry said that Triple H called him that at one yeah. point it's, it's not age well TV no, like, no it's, it's I mean, it seemed okay for its time, but if you look at it now, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, the well, shock nobody, value well, 90s TV. Yeah, for shock value, yeah. it was. Uh, still just, like, t- like, Americans still use, like, we hard today because they yeah. don't think it's a bad yeah. word, but uh, it, it's like. They think it's like stupid. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, The Rock was like. like no, nobody really cared about it back in the day, they I just know. sort of went with it anyway. Because, yeah, like, The Rock was so charismatic that anything you would do, people respond to, so Colin Kane a retard, the fans just pop, like, mm. yay, Rock! And something I may have mentioned earlier on when Keane got his title match against Austin, he started speaking around this time with a voice box <laughs> because apparently he he get he'd been his vocals apparently been burned in the fire. Which one, there's one thing where you have Paul Bear or somebody else speaking for him. And he's got that, he's just standing there stoic. You don't know what he's thinking behind the mask, and like he would he would learn to speak by his own and he would be kind of muffled under that. I'd take that over. My name is Kane. <laughs> it's like the guy from Chewing the Fat with the uh, people that smoke too many cigarettes. It's the... like, that was my last cigarette. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, it's one of the things, like, he was threatening to set himself on fire if he didn't lose against Austin, which is stupid enough as it is, but all the credibility was taken out when he's beginning like this <laughs> through this electric. And then he somehow conquers his voice, but lot was speaking with the voice spots thanks to the power of friendship when he meets X Pac. <laughs> Because yeah. that, that's that's all you need to co- recover from a serious focal cord injury. A good pal to help you through. All you need is love. <laughs> love is all you need. The Beatles said it. I don't know why we keep fighting this. Love is all you need. And speaking of love, Kane would try and find love around this time. <laughs> well, a transition, eh? He would tease a relationship with China, who, when they were in the corporation together because she had betrayed DX, then Kane would... I may say, he had a reoccurring feud for many years with Pete Rose. <laughs> we started at that Mania match one day where he dropped Pete Rose with a tombstone and then Mania 15 when Kane was coming in the match, Pete Rose came out dressed as a chicken to try and attack Kane and then Kane tombstoned him again. <laughs> Poor Pete Rose. That's, mm. That is where, I think there was an interview with Kane and he laughed when the interviewer 
who was from Britain, told him, do you know we don't have baseball in the UK? So the fact that Pete Rose is a baseball hall, or should be a baseball hall of famer, uh, he's most well known for the fact that he's the guy that Kane beats up <laughs> at least yeah. once every few years. Yeah, I believe they had something again at Mania 2000 and then you would guess those raw that one time they'd have a second bit on that. I mean, Drew Carey can get in the Hall of Fame with one interaction with Kane, but Pete Rose isn't in the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. No, no yeah, yeah. No, no, he's is, a, he is, but I was talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Aye. Oh, right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not in that for betting on games. Athlete. All right. But, so then Kane, after being up Pete Rose yet again, he would fight Triple H, and then China would turn her back on him, and Kane would be forced out of the corporation, because, like I said before we started, it would look like China and Triple H were going back to DX, but then they joined the corporation and just explaining that gives you a bloody headache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Kane would meet his good friend x and they would be this oddball tag team, and Kane would learn to probably speak, and he'd have Kane's first proper words would be, suck it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you always remember your, always remember your first words. <laughs> Mama, Dada, suck it. <laughs> You're Dane, a box in, your daughter. Alright Dave, I'm just trying to host the show. <laughs> but, right, so Kane and Expo tried to start this like, kind of oddball team where it really shouldn't have worked, but they came together. There were rumours of Kane going joining DX, which made you think would they made the red on his gear green? He'd just be the big green machine. The jolly green giant. <laughs> oh, honestly, no. that, that, that was too good. Back to the, the uh, Christmas uh, character. Yeah, Christmas <laughs> green and red. Then yeah. <laughs> uh, he and they became the Titan champions, I believe, twice. And, but they would lose the titles to, X, to Big Show and Undertaker, the Unholy Alliance, at SummerSlam. And Kane Xbox would be kind of on and off for a while. They became the Ross and Rachel of the tag team division back then. <laughs> they, were, they were on a break for a while and then they got back together. And then uh, Kane would find love again where he would meet Tori, who actually, who I think this was kind of a thing, guys, at the time where they were kind of meeting Kane like they thought, you can only be a monster for so long. We need to kind of hum- humanise him a wee bit to make people. Can yeah. I care about them? I think because it was in the Attitude Era and characters were a wee bit more taken care of when they started to make them a bit more human, mm-hmm. like characters like Kane, characters like The Undertaker, it was it was better done, whereas like nowadays it's just like like with Vladimir Kozlov's a prime <laughs> example, like I'm a big Russian bear, I'm going <laughs> to smash your face in. I don't have entrance music. I'm just going to walk. I know he sounds like he's for Govan Hill, but you know. <laughs> Whereas, like, as soon as he started team with Santino, he was like, "Oh, he just likes to have fun." <laughs> or like Mark Henry, holla pain, going to rip your face off. I'll rip your arm off and beat you to death with it. And then, as soon as he turns face, it's just like, "Oh, fat guy likes to dance." <laughs> like, I know. It's, I think it's one of the things like a movie trope they do, like where you got this character looks big and scary, but one of the things like, "Oh, you're they're just." Misunderstood, and they look, they've got a heart of gold, and they're trying to do that with Kane. But like, I think the time, like, I think they tried and balance between the two because, like, I don't think there was anything wrong with him just coming out and beating people up because that's what got him over when he debuted in the first place. But mm-hmm. then Kane is not allowed to have nice things because <laughs> Xbox would eventually turn on Kane and call him a piece of crap, <laughs> and then Kane would beat Xbox in a couple of pay per views, but then lose a match, which means Tori had to spend Christmas with Xbox, and then sometime after it was. Tori came back to came and realised oh no she's actually fell in love with Xbox so surely Xbox went to the Stephen Wilson School of Stockholm Syndrome <laughs> oh, wow wow uh, why you're laughing you're his apprentice <laughs> <laughs> I can't lie with that had a lovely holiday it was great I don't, I don't know what, why too much info we, no, not that Jesus <laughs> did you go to Stockholm 
Yeah. Back to his roots. <laughs> Can I get more of this syndrome you keep selling? <laughs> She's starting to wise up, do you mind? <laughs> anyway. I'm moving swiftly on. But people talk about X Pocky and Sabia will where it actually started for me it started here like X Pock Heat, yes. As yeah. soon as he, as soon as he betrayed Kane, that's when Scott started to hate him. Snowy's girl as well. Yeah. So then Kane, the X Pock, they would carry that on that feud until uh, WrestleMania, where in a bizarre time match, it would be X Pock teaming with Road Dog against Kane and Rikishi. Yeah, this was like people talk about WrestleMania current day, where it's like let's get everyone on the card. Well, at least. WrestleMania these days has the decency to have a male and female battle royal. Yeah. This was just like tag team match. Who do we get? Rikishi. Why? Because he's big too. <laughs> and it, it was just pointless. Like just just put him raw the next night. <laughs> but like Kane did have like he went away for a while because he was heartbroken. He had to go home. Yes, goodbye. Ice cream. Watch the Notebook in his couch for a while. Uh, the Notebook wasn't out yet. It was uh, Bridget Jones. Maybe <laughs> the first one. <laughs> when did he um? Tag team with The Rock and Hollywood Hogan. Was that, that was 2002. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But he would come back with Paul Berry. He had that cool version where it's kind of the reverse color scheme of his suit, where the black was where the red was, and all that, which looked cool as hell. You had the lights kind of go out. It was just during this big time match. And Steffi's on cottage here, turning to Jericho. JR, what did you do? <laughs> Jeff, I didn't do anything. And then Kane comes out and destroys everyone. And I think the Xbox admits that they kind of overdid the feud with him and Kane for a while because. Jericho, he was offered a match with Jericho after they did the bluff at No Way Out, but Xbox wanted to keep the thing with Kane going, and then it's I by the time they got to Mania, they overdid it. I think that's a story of Kane's career. Like he's always been somebody they always describe him as a loyal soldier. You ask him to do something, he'll do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think maybe if he had maybe a bit of arrogance, like Stone Cold or Triple H, where he says, "Nah, actually, I'm not doing this," or "No, that's stupid. We're doing this." I think his character might have been a bit. It is. Very, one, very much one of the most missed opportunity characters mm-hmm. as well as one of the best characters of all yeah. time the thing is though even though he's like, like built as a monster it was like you, you got sympathy mm-hmm. for a yeah. big guy like yeah. he was getting like the right reactions mm-hmm. even though so it's kind of like yeah and that, I think that's what made him more lovable yeah yeah. but, but going forth in the year 2000 he wouldn't have that too many more noble feuds he's, he's, he would randomly turn heel for a match with Undertaker at SummerSlam because Taker needed an opponent because we hadn't seen Kane the Undertaker before and uh, uh, he would, his most notable feud I think other than Xbox in 2000 would be his food with Jericho which definitely definitely was not about coffee you think this is about coffee because <laughs> uh, I did like the finish of their surprise match where uh, he went for the lines on King caught him and then hit him with the, the choke slam and then uh, Jericho would pick up the win at Survivor at Armageddon sorry and our last man samurai just pushing a bunch of shit on top of Kane because <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt just pushed a bunch of stuff on him See, that's like a really good match when you actually go back. Yeah. And it was not about <laughs> coffee. And then again. I'm a monster. <laughs> it was about a little bit of bubbly. <laughs> oh, come <laughs> on. But then in 2001, Kane, he would kind of reunite with Undertaker. They'd officially, so when they officially were known as the Brothers of Destruction. And a lot of, they would team, Kane would win the hardcore title briefly and a really underrated match, I think, at Mania X7 against Big Show and Raven. He would win the IC title because when he and Undertaker were going a feud with the two-man power trip, and Kane would lose the title in a match at, on SmackDown in Madison Square Garden 
to Albert. Albert. <laughs> yeah. Does, does anyone remember Albert having an icy title reign? Yeah, 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 yeah do, actually. Uh, he didn't have it for long while he was in the X Factor. Yeah. I was just going to say, do you know the Brothers of uh, Destruction JR christened that in 1998? Huh? Firstly, that's when he first used that. Oh, mm-hmm. fair enough. A bit of trivia for you. He was, like, you. He was everything in yeah. 2001 because caused the move Stone Cold to the, the Alliance, his. It's 2001, he was kept really strong because yeah. most of the WWE's guys were mm-hmm. and he was on Team WWE. Uh, that was when he was his biggest, you know, when he came, mm-hmm. came out in the and Royal Rumble. When he was huge, he's, massive. He's, he's started, becoming, started becoming less, uh, his Rumble, where he yeah, had 11 he, eliminations, he got to the final two and then got eliminated after dominating the whole match. I know how that feels. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this would be around the time he started revealing more of his attire, like he had kind of almost a tank more top almost. Attire. He was slowly getting naked. Like he was showing more skin. Oh, he was showing more and more when, skin. Uh, and that's when Scott got really interested. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was showing more and more skin. And yet people were still su- and yet people were still surprised when he took his mask off and had no burns on him. Yeah, See, yeah. Even when they started showing a mask, it showed you half his face. Like, when do you think his burns were just on his legs? <laughs> You're like, about to see the real big red machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, like you said, like he was kind of everything because his whole thing where he was just part of Team WWF for most of 2001 against mm-hmm. the Alliance. He and Taker, he would help Taker his food with DDP. At one point, they would be WCW and WWF Tag Team Champions at the same time. And then you'd move into 2002. He wouldn't do much for the other part of the year. He had that match with Angle randomly because Angle lost out in a shot to be in the main event and then Angle... Blamed oh, Kane, 18. 18, and Angle blamed Kane for reasons. Just let's get both these guys on the show. It was kind of just yeah, just put these two together. But yeah. for Angle was like, I don't care who it is, and I don't care. I'm just going to go out and have a good match. It's like yeah. you can't have Mania without them two. I think I was the thinking behind yeah. it. Yeah. I remember as well. This is a bit of time. Our, we didn't have the weekly TV, so it was what my grandparents taped for us. And I think they must have announced this maybe a week or two before. Because I hadn't seen the last two weeks of TV leading into WrestleMania 18. I did not know this was a match, and I was just like, Oh, Kurt Angle's here. Who's he fighting? Is he just t- taking his promo and about it in the ring? Then, oh, it's Kane for. <laughs> That's got to be Kane. It's got to be Kane. <laughs> it's got to be Kane for reasons, as we said. <laughs> yeah. And then he would go, he'd take some time off, and then as part of the initial brand, like he would be go over to Raw, and this would be where he would debut not only just the, the bit in the mask that shows his kind of his mouth and somebody's face. But he would debut what I will say is the best version of his entrance music, and I will fight anyone who disagrees. <laughs> the slow chemical version of his theme song, which I just love, and he made his debut because even though he's a mask-wearing monster, he can still be a patriot because he came out to stop testing the un-Americans from burning the good old American flag. Yes, ironically, nearly said it on fire himself when his pyro went Another iconic line from Jr. The big red machine, and he's all American. Yeah. They missed a chance there, the big red, white and blue machine. I know. Just, just a Stars and Stripes mask. It could, it could have been the new Patriot. <laughs> exactly. It's a shame he never had a US title reign either. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, the, I think it's the only title That would be in his new gimmick, the big red, white and blue machine. I, know, I think, they don't think they'd bring the US title back for like another year, and that would be on SmackDown, but he would win the IC title. Randomly, I think it was from like Chris Jericho or something like because it just seemed to be Jericho got it a lot around this time. No, Jericho and Rob Van Dam just kind of yeah. passed it between yeah. them. And then he would he would win the tag team titles from the Americans with probably his greatest tag team partner, the Hurricane. What's up with What's that? Up with that? <laughs> and I love the the promo with Hurricane when they've won the titles and been asked why did why do you think Kane picked you? Wasn't obvious. We both wear masks. We both use a choke slam, and we've got the two best physiques in all of the company. <laughs> and the kid goes, "Oh no, I chose you because you're a freak like me, and freaks are cool." <laughs> and then he just randomly kisses Terry Reynolds against her will for no reason. Oh, Cheers. Mm-hmm. Again, Check to take the mask. Yeah. 
the rough childhood we let it go apparently yeah it's okay he doesn't know any better <laughs> and then like so Kane would be a double champion uh, we talked to East Coast on the last week's show what, about TLC where Kane would win TLC 4 as it was affectionately known against uh, Bubba Ray and Spike Dudley RVD and Jeff Hardy who should be called High Flyers High has a double meaning <laughs> and uh, Jericho and Christian and and he would win by himself because uh, Hurricane got taken out mm-hmm. and early just just so the resigns of Kane he was able to come back against the odds and win the tie titles mm-hmm. so retain the tie titles mm-hmm. by himself but then again Kane can't have nice things because he earned a shot to fight the world heavyweight champion Triple H who would come out after this match and remain Kane about a sordid part of his past a part known as Katie Vick I was not watching at this point and every time the suggested video uh, of Katie Vick pops up on my YouTube I point blank refuse to watch it any list or top 10 show or most shocking moments article that has that in it I refuse to read I just I like to pretend it didn't happen I wasn't watching at the time so it mm. didn't happen yeah. no, I remember I was just like following Smackdown so sometimes we recap the Raw but they always miss this out and I think it was like like 2006, 2007 when someone actually was like have you heard about the Katie Vick thing and I was like no it's that mm-hmm. and he was like you have to see this and I, didn't, I wish I didn't I he brought it up again in 2007 during a Survivor Series promo as well Aye, he's about, brought it up a few times because yeah. it was team when we tripped, it was on Triple H's team and they were all bring up they'd all had their differences with Triple H in the past and Kane uh, mentioned that and like I would I would happily have not mentioned this in the show but it's one of the things you kind of have to mention with Kane because yeah. it's one of those the hell were they thinking storylines because like who was meant to get over with this because Vince Russo was out of the company at this point so I know (laughs) know, they were just throwing shit at the wall at this point yeah it's weird as well and it's a horrible thing where it's actually a massive part of Kane's career because even if you stop showing the the desecration angle and all that it's what led it, it followed him winning being the first person to win a TLC match on his own yeah a history making moment mm-hmm. then Triple H comes out then it leads to a feud with the world champion Yeah. it leads to a title unification match it leads to his unmasking and everything is brought together by this Katie Vick storyline mm-hmm. it is just a shame that that's the reason it's there I know but the thing is Kane's like they call him making these accusations and like even making his backstory more confusing than it already bloody was right and like Kane was made like made, coming on TV apologising for everything that happened saying it was an accident I didn't mean to mm-hmm. and because it was probably some car accident and like and then Kane goes say on No Mercy and he loses and the IC title just disappears for like six months so like oh. who is meant to be helped by this story I was going to say well didn't uh, the IC title get unified with the world title yeah and then no, Austin then was that before or after this no no that, that, that's, that's year, right. then, oh, right, right, right. but they wouldn't, sh- yeah, wouldn't appear on TV and then Austin would bring it back in like 03 and like Jared, when he mentioned the IC title being away and Jared Lodge said like he f- he'd forgotten about it which just goes to show how Demi treated that title at the time I've, I've heard some conspiracy theories about this because shortly after this angle Triple H and Steffi would marry for real and somebody suggested this is some was this some sick tw- test for Triple H by Vince McMahon like if you can make something work out of the storyline you're good enough to marry my daughter uh, as well I've heard the conspiracy theory that the original plan for the IC title which is well documented was the WWE title would go to Smackdown the Intercontinental title would stay on the flagship show Raw mm-hmm. and it would be brought up to the same level as the WWE title uh, but Triple H didn't want to be an Intercontinental title hence why the world title was introduced mm-hmm. 
and on WWE's official website, mm-hmm. every Intercontinental Champion has a picture with them with the title, mm-hmm. even if it's just from a previous reign. Mm-hmm. This reign, if you click on it with Triple H, there's no photo. Mm-hmm. It just says Triple H, uh, and it says just that day. Yeah. Was, he unified it with the world title. There's no picture, it doesn't get brought up again, it doesn't get brought up, like, he doesn't do the Seth Rollins comes out with both yeah. belts, or the RVD going, I want to keep both belts. It just, it disappears and it's like, was this like a power trip by Triple H? Yeah. <laughs> just to be Raw's only main One champion. Man, yeah, power trip. It was right. at the start of what would be known as uh, Triple H's reign of terror yeah. at the time, where you kind of monopolised the main event scene. But Kane would come back from this, he would be in the first ever elimination chamber, throwing Jericho through the pod in a match that they weren't originally going to do, but they had to improvise and basically grab Jericho and said, you're going through the pod. Because <laughs> <laughs> if a 300 pound guy grabs you and says, you're going through it, you're going through it. You're going. And like you said, Ross, like Kate would have his tag team with RVD, they'd win the tag titles a couple of times, they'd have their issues, almost like Kane did with Xbox, but RVD did stick by side, didn't betray him, and then Kane would have a match on Raw where he would be forced to unmask and we'll talk a bit more about that when we come back. Kane's unmasking, but while, while we take a short break, we'll, you can listen to the audio of that iconic moment in MSG on Raw in 2003 where Kane is forced to unmask for the very first time. We'll see you in a bit. This is the Catch Provocateur, Alexander Dean, and you can catch me on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Kane! You know the stipulations, and you gave your word! Now take that mask off! He didn't even give Kane any time to recover. The guy's barely, a, he's not even on his feet yet. But I think we're about to see it, JR. Kane agreed. I don't know if we're going to see it or not. I don't know if I want to see it or not, quite honestly. I do want to see it. You this may, may be one of the things that I get, need to look at through a pinhole in a box or something. You may want to put the kids to bed. I'll tell you, this is. He's going to do it! This is it! Here it comes! 
God. Oh my God. Alright you rotten, smelly wrestling fans, it's this guy Kez Evans and you're listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome back to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Thank you very much to Alexander Dean, whose interview is up now on our back catalogue with Sarah, which you can catch now. I really recommend you listen to it. And also thank you to Kez Evans for also writing that soundbite for this week's episode. His interview is coming up this coming Monday with our very own Andy Mitchell. Gregor, if I'm allowed to say that, you're you being his representative, I'm allowed to give him credit for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But anything further, then you'll hear from us in due course. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, I'm sure you can recommend the this interview. Yeah, yeah, uh, Kez was a, a blast to, to interview and uh, give it a listen because it's, it's a hell of an interview as well. Good stuff. Now, you also heard in that break the moment where Kane had to unmask on Raw in 2003. Now, as much as I said how Kane's mask was starting to cover less and less of his kind of body and... <laughs> No, not in that way there. <laughs> even though this was before they were PG, but it was still family friendly. He, uh, there's still this aura around what Kane looked like under the mask. People were still wondering, like, it was a, soon being a big moment when Kane unmasked. And they kind of, is it weird that they kind of gave it away on free TV? Like, I know it's against the World Heavyweight Champion and a match for also, it's also for the title, but and it's an MSG, but they gave it away on Raw, This which should have been a big moment, uh, Dave. Yeah, I think if they saved it for like a big pay-per-view, maybe Survivor Series or SummerSlam perhaps, maybe that would have been ideal, but then obviously they went down the whole Matt Hardy Lita saga and stuff, and <laughs> then that's, uh, well that sort of explains itself, more or less. But yeah, it was, I think giving it away in free TV was a bit of a mistake, but I think at some point or another it had to be done. Well, they've kind of debated for, people start debating now, should the mask have even been taken off at all? Probably not, considering they kept putting it on and then, oh, it's back off, he's Cobra King. Oh, by the way, he's, he's Demon King, he's always been Demon King, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, in regards to the, oh, it was free TV and it was, this is post Monday Night Wars, ECW's gone, TNA's doing weekly pay-per-views, it's not a, got a weekly TV show yet, Ring of Honours and House Shows and Armories. Um, they needed to keep interest without having a competitor. Mm-hmm. They were in the world's biggest arena and correct me if I'm wrong is it not after a world title match with Triple H yeah, yeah. Like was a title V mask a title V mask match and the world's biggest arena mm-hmm. on the only weekly re- sorry on the only Monday night wrestling show you know for the first time in years Raw is just the only Monday night wrestling show so yeah I think it's fine you don't need to keep it for a pay per view you don't always need everything for the pay per view that's how we end up with Wrestlemania as well you know until I watched the 24 documentary, I forgot Batista fought Triple H on this year's WrestleMania because so much happened. Yeah, It becomes saturated and the, the moment loses its meaning, whereas it it got the attention it deserved. Mm-hmm. Kane has talked about how he pushed for the mask to come off. I just wish that they would maybe have changed his gimmick or gave him maybe some time off after. It would have been more shocking when he came back revealing his face. Yeah, because like, he takes it off and then... like. Some of his hair comes out and he's just got this black stuff like suit. Like he's put his head in a chimney. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got stuff covering his face and then he just goes psycho. He turns on uh, RVD and then reveals, oh, the, the scars were psychological. Like, uh-huh. just kind of 
I think a lot of people would see this kind of as an underwhelming that Kane didn't have like these scars, but then again, he probably would have had some crappy looking makeup, which would have been even worse. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's under that he's always complained about. The reason he, he changed to the half mask and when he returned, you know, you could still see his mouth was breathing trouble. Yeah. And as well, he was talking about, you know, the sweat under the mask was mm-hmm. uncomfortable, you know. So if he had like, prosthetic or makeup on, oh, it'd have sweated off. off. Oh, like, yeah. But is that why you started wearing the towel in his entrances just afterwards, just to soak up all the sweat? I think, it, <laughs> I think that was more a psychological thing, like, don't look at me, like Cody Rhodes style. Like Phantom of the Opera, don't yeah. look at my face. <laughs> no, is it, uh, I was going to say, it's like the biggest shock for me when uh, Kane took off his mask was the fact that how short his hair was. Yeah. <laughs> like his hair came off with it. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, Hold on a minute. Like, there was a bit of a wig aspect to the mask as well. Yeah, but you know, I never knew. I always thought he just had long hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was kind of shot. But I do remember because let's say I was just on. I was just watching SmackDown, and then it was like on the hall, the Raw highlights. Just like, oh, Kane's like took his mask off, and it's like, oh, right, I want to kind of see it. So it, I think, as you were saying about which should have mm-hmm. been on paper, but I think it was better to do it on Raw because we're still talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's still a moment people regard it, as being high, and and it got people were interested in watching Raw. It's so. a very repetitive clip, definitely, for yeah. shocking moments. That is well, we were talking about how it's now the only show and they had to keep people invested. Not only did it, not only did a Mask V title match bring people in because there's, oh my God, Kane might lose the mask. Because it closed the show and it was like, you didn't see all these face, you just seen like bits yeah. of it and it, it was like, oh my God, next week, you know, they're, are they going to bring him out and like force him to show his face this time? Like, because... I just like it. See now that he doesn't have the scars. Uh, Talladega Nights, where Ricky Bobby thinks he's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on fire. You're not on fire, Ricky Bobby. I'm on fire. Uh, I don't know if you were kind of watching me this time. Do you have any thoughts on Kane Cam taking the mask off? Uh, the actual moment was a bit underwhelming, mm. in my opinion. Well, maybe it was underwhelming because people were just trying to work out the hairline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Uh, He'd kind of go on a bit of a rampage now where like he thought everyone was laughing. I thought people were making fun of him. He would he would set JR on fire and JR was trying to interview him. He's, I'm on fire! <laughs> <laughs> or JR's quite obvious stuntman. He could have done a, a promotion for his barbecue sauce. Yeah, no. <laughs> Flame grill JR. Yeah, he would a little extra barbecue sauce. Yeah. He, he would choke slam Eric Bischoff off the stage. A tombstone Linda McMahon mm-hmm. on the stage, which I mean, who could possibly stop this rampaging monster? And our answer was the best in the world, Shane McMahon, came up to stand up to this monster. And they had two, I think they were pretty good peer review matches. They had, a, I think, a last man stand match, Unforgiven, and then an ambulance match at Survivor Series and, and the Unforgiven match. He, got, he, he gets one of these like crane cameras and swings at Kane, and the camera properly smashes off a of Kane, and he, he show it. From the camera's perspective, and it showed the crack in the camera. Mm. I love, um, I love Kane in a gimmick match, and I love Shane McMahon in a gimmick match. They are both brilliant in these yeah. t- sort of matches because basically both of them, Kane's a company man, and Shane just wants his father's approval, <laughs> and it's a case of look, let's just go out there and do everything. Like, yeah, yeah. how many people would volunteer if their testic- testicles electrocuted? <laughs> like, I mean, not. Not me, it's not, it's not at the top of my bucket list to be honest with you. Who'd want to jump off the Titan Tron to the, the stage? Mm-hmm. Like, Chokeslam through an ambulance and everything. Now do you love me, Daddy? Jesus like, Christ, Dave. Like, <laughs> like, it, was, it was bizarre when Gene came out at Mania 32 with three kids. I was like, how can he have any more kids? Do you not see what happened to his testicles in 2003? <laughs> <laughs> 
we've got that man Jackhammer mm. you know genetics yeah. you know. as well during this feud Shane McMahon put a brick on a limo accelerator and left Kane in the limo <laughs> and crashed it into one of those 20 million dollars as Carango says uh, equipment trucks <laughs> and just drove it in yeah. and miraculously Kane still had a head yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kane randomly showed up when she was in hospital and just beat him up even more <laughs> yeah. it's a bit of a mad turn it's like because he's turned on RVD you think well maybe he should feud with him and then yeah, no, we'll just go with Shane. I did, yeah, one, one and done. Yeah. I won match at and then he just beat him and then moved on. Like, we, we got bigger things, we got Shane to think of it. And he started just wearing tights now, he sort of lost the tank top as well, and then goes back to the thing. He's yeah, been, uh, been, think slowly it, losing his attire as the years went on. I, th- I think it was better going with the long pen and removing the title, because I think the title was a part came with the mask, so without the mask on the tank top, it just looks silly as well. Mm. I love the so part of his part of reinventing his look. I love how we're talking about how. <laughs> He was basically just he was showing his face now, he like, you, you will look at me world. And then at Crown Jewel, <laughs> when the mask came off, he was covering his face, you're like, we've seen your face. Yeah, no. <laughs> you're a politician. Like, you're on national news. You're the mayor of Knox County. Yeah. Like, like if the, he, he suddenly thinks he's at the end of a, of a, end of a episode of Scooby-Doo. Old man Jacobs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he would have this we, we, Shane, obviously Shane had to go away and his years away had to get better he wasn't quite the best in the world yet because he wasn't able to topple the big red machine just yet but then Kane wouldn't be done at Survivor Series because he decided to come out and he, he felt like a bit he hadn't, hadn't, hadn't tried and killed anyone in a while so he, he came out and buried his brother alive in his match with Shane's dad yeah so both brothers of destruction were fighting McMahon's that night it's a weird one. I know such a weird show and then just, I think just a dead man gimmick I could uh, thank Ken for that yeah mm-hmm. and I was like cause, well the American badass gimmick because like, I was just trying to think how can we get Undertaker to come back as a dead man let's literally make people think he is a dead man because have Kane bury him and then like I found I found remember this because me and Ross we had this that tape of Wrestlemania 20 where we ha- they had the rematch Kane and Undertaker again uh, where Kane became the first ever repeat victim of the streak yeah. and they had the video package of Undertaker uh, played mind games with Kane, the lights always going out, and Kane, like, kept being paranoid. Like, at one point, he's scared, but he's like, No, he can't be alive. Like, I buried him alive. Like, but again, Kane, has, has he not been watching the things his brother can do over the past few years? It's not like uh, Undertaker come back from, like, a burial match. Yeah, yeah no. I'm just going to say, even though that build up for that match was amazing in terms of Undertaker's not even there, but you're like, you, you, like the feeling of mm-hmm. the presence of that the way they've done that I've got to give credit to WWE because it kind of made you go into WrestleMania 20 excited to see mm-hmm. what happens mm-hmm. I love how now like, even though he's going bald at the front the back of his hair grows so quickly yet he was away for like five months and he comes back and he's only got this wee oh I thought you were on about Ken no no <laughs> Undertaker's got this wee bop style hair yeah. but it would not grow because he had the short back and sides <laughs> for so long like and then uh, Undertaker come out, he came out with Paul Bear like around lights went out and the oh yeah went off uh, that would probably scare you if you were oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's the macho man <laughs> oh, that would have been a more bigger rest of me when the macho man rally comes out with the air Undertaker's going down the stage <laughs> <laughs> fiery like a Slim Jim brother macho man said brother too oh, did he? but like it's one of the things like when when you're building to a big match and one the one half of the match isn't on TV, mm-hmm. like the other half can kind of almost struggle to carry the build to it. But like, I think all you needed was the occasional like the lights mm-hmm. going out and Kane's reaction to it, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the injury. Like you could tell he was coming back, but like 
Kane was so adamant like he's not coming back mm-hmm. like yeah it was great great at the Royal Rumble because obviously Kane comes in you think he's going to have a dominant year again and then yeah. the lights go out always mm-hmm. something happens to Kane either he's just so underwhelming in the Rumble or someone distracts him yeah, yeah. I know yeah. Well, he, he goes on such a dominant run but then he just sort of gets Cut, cut off at the legs really mm-hmm. he, gets, he gets distracted by the gong he gets eliminated and then takes it on poor Spike Dudley yeah. on their entrance yeah. ramp but like it's a, Spike Dudley was known for taking beatings from bigger guys <laughs> he sells that choke slam brilliantly yeah and just like it was a shame the match itself it was a case of it was just a squash match yeah Undertaker's back but mm-hmm. it's like build up was great match yeah because you got Kane like kind of reaching out like not believing that Undertaker's do it but like if Kane didn't think he was going to have an actual match why did he come to the ring in his wrestling gear? <laughs> like, is he showing up like that's a payday? I'm in Madison Square Garden. But like, uh, Dave mentioned, alluded to it a minute ago, uh, where Kane in 2004, I think his most notable storyline, for better or for worse, was when he had this weird obsession. <laughs> for, when he had, had this weird obsession with Lita, and he kept being up Matt Hardy to get to her, and he said he wanted something for Lita, and or he, and he, if he, he got it, he would stop being up Matt Hardy. We didn't know what it was. And basically, he wanted it. He wanted to have a child. Basically, he wants to show her the big red monster. If you know what I mean. <laughs> Unfortunately, we do know what you mean, Dave. And I wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> it, it's such a weird thing that in two thousand four, Kane was on just about every pay per view, and uh-huh. he only won one, and it was against Matt Hardy at SummerSlam. Yeah, and, SummerSlam. With, with and it was such a short match too. With the stipulate, I think it was because Matt was with Jet injured at the time, so Kane kind of had to win. And also, like the stipulation was, Lita will marry the winner. Do you remember the build-up as well uh, that year? He was uh, he was facing Chris Benoit for the title. Ah, yeah, mm-hmm. bad blood, bad blood. Yeah, and he, was, he lost by a Oklahoma roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was like a fluky win for Benoit almost. Yeah, I watched that match back a while ago. The Benoit K match. It does not. It's not as good as I remembered it being. It's quite boring. Actually. I do remember. Doesn't it go for a flying clothesline and catch them in the in the crossface? Yeah, it's it's good, great shot. Yeah, because Kane hits the the choke slam. It doesn't get a draw, so I think it's, he gets kind of the rock when Kane attempts a tombstone. Mm. There's a match on Raw where it's like Benoit must win by submission, and that match is great. And it's only the second time Kane tapped out, and it's such a big. Mo- I didn't know about it like in 2004 it was about five or six years later when I found it on YouTube it was like oh the next night after Bad Blood Kane got his rematch blah 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 and you know, this is such a, a moment that's just been lost in the shuffle you know obviously many Benoit moments are lost for obvious reasons yeah, but yeah. like this would have stood out like this great match where Kane taps out mm-hmm. to Chris Benoit See, that's still he, he's tapped out I can't yeah. even tell you another time was it was uh, Kurt Angle, Angle yeah. And, yeah. Like Mania yeah no, 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 why did, <laughs> I know, why did none of these mayoral opponents watch wrestling give any example of yeah, anything like he's done in his career? some tips for, you know, London McMahon uh. should run for centre, you know. Uh. <laughs> he claims to care for the elderly. Look what he did to this poor old woman on the stage. Well, we done this poor old man, Pete Rose. <laughs> yeah. Stalks him and beats him up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like, like, and then Kane knows and marries Leah. We talked about it on our Wrestling Weddings episode. Eight, and this, then they come up with a thing like, oh, we said Leah's pregnant, but she's not actually pregnant. So how can we get around the whole her not having a baby thing? Oh, let's get Gene Smitsky in because I miscarried because that worked so well in the attitude. What won't work here? That's yeah. the best way to turn a rapist into a face. 
Yeah, we were all meant to be happy and they were all like they did the taboo Tuesday match where Kane gets taken out oh, by this guy who was simp- this guy was in a match. This Kane brought his pregnant wife to the ring. Kane Kane got pushed into her. The guy was still doing his job as a wrestler and then he defended himself against this seven foot man that wanted to set him on fire and beat him with a chain at Taboo Tuesday. Aye. But apparently Gene Snitsky's the bad guy for going, I didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't his fault. No, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't his fault. Like, he didn't even get an entrance, the comedy barely knew his name, and then suddenly he's in this big angle, Kane's got a catchphrase and everything, and then he's beating Kane on pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, from here, because of this whole, like, thing with the baby, it's almost like, yeah, I get a Stockholm syndrome thing, where Leah's, like, is now happy to be with Kane, and then suddenly she turns on him and joins the edge, and suddenly Leah's meant to be the heel, but I think a lot of that was due to the fact that it came out at that time, the whole Matt Hardy scandal. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing, I remember they'd done a, like, a sort of highlight show like, a few years later and they showed the Kane and Lita thing and then they'd like, bump into each other backstage like, oh yeah, like how are you? And it's like, this is just so weird. Uh, like, that was why after, would you do that? Like, it's just, yeah, that was after Lita left, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, was like, Kane was sort of transitioning to more, like again, more human, more comedy yeah. angles, that kind of thing. But he, he didn't feel like the big like ass-kicking machine before ever and stuff. Yeah. It's always awkward when you see it's the best of things, but when you've been in a story like that... Yeah, I know, it's just like... Can we move on to the next bit? This Gene <laughs> Snitsky was terrible. Yeah. Well, I don't think it gets much better because... I've actually had a retweet from uh, Gene Snitsky. Like, years, <laughs> yeah, actually, years, years ago. With the tweet saying, I agree, it wasn't your fault. And they said, yeah, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> so, I can't remember if it was years ago. But like, Gene, again, continuing the trend of random tag parties. The team with Big Show for all they win the tag deals. <sighs> And then their biggest challenge they go up against are likes of Carlito and Chris Massives and the Spirit Squad. Who beat them? Yeah, no, yeah it's like five on after WrestleMania. Yeah, after, after WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. And then Kane starts hearing voices in his head, not like Randy Orton, but talking about May 19th. I'm listening, not only does Kane hear the voices, but everyone else yep. can yeah. hear the voices. Well. Except the big show. May and, 19. Which was completely coincidental, they released Davies' uh, cinematic debut in See No Evil. Yes, it was like it was like when they did that whole nine ninety nine thing and got people to chant along. Yeah. It's like subliminal messaging to let you know, like the WWE Network's available for only nine ninety nine. It was like May nineteenth, we've got a movie coming out. People, May nineteenth, pay for our cinema. They'll spontaneously Google where, what's happening May nineteenth. Well, they were like, oh, they're promoting it on the show. It was like yeah. this is coming out May nineteenth, and they're like, how do you feel about your sh- your film? It's coming out in May nineteenth. Yeah. So it's just like just purely. Like stereotypical like slasher film basically yeah. with Kane basically playing what would happen if Kane literally did murder people didn't imply that he murdered them he literally murdered people the rivalry that came out of May 19th as well you had Luke Gallows looking horrendous in that Kane outfit with the worst wig like. they could have found mm-hmm. he beats them at vengeance but then he rips the mask off the imposter there's no rhyme or reason no. he just gets rid of yeah. do you know yeah. the reason for that is I yeah, heard no. a rumour yeah that they were going to feel this was the real Kane. Yeah, because yeah. because Glenn Jacobs was actually considering retirement, and that the fake Kane would take his place. Not bad enough that he came in as a fake character. He was going to be replaced by a fake character. <laughs> yeah. but like when those things you saw his brother sit sits with a fake character. At least at least these guys didn't main event a big four baby like fake Undertaker and that. Did. <laughs> like I I would kind of explain in some ways like why Kane wasn't burned, but in the second time like look at this fake Kane like let's just not like. Anybody who's seen any highlights of that match at Vengeance knows that 
it clearly wouldn't have worked. Yeah. So what was the payoff to the May 19 thing? And it was, didn't they just attack Rey Mysterio? I think, I think the whole thing with that was also the date that his parents died, the whole funeral thing. And like, like oh, I, it's nothing to do with my movie, it's the fact my parents died. Like, oh, no. It has everything to do with I, I do remember uh, yeah. when the big show, because he was shooting with him, and he goes, and the big show was like, wow, I was in a movie too, the water boy, whoopty do. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Zero. Yeah. He showed no mercy. But... Yeah, but luckily Key would move on to some better things in the years to come. You would hold, you start holding championships, like singles titles again. You would become the ECW champion in 2008, like 11 seconds against Chavo, which is a what, wrestling's full of weird senses you don't expect to see. And one of them is Kane is a former ECW champion, mm. and he barely defended it on pay per view. Did he? he had one pay per view defense against Chavo, and then the next month he and Punk are losing to Morrison and Miz. Because of the tag champs at the time. Well, let's say that the ECW championship at that point was like just Me- was was bad because Chavo was the champ and he was in the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. I know, and that because he'd won it six days before the Rumble and then yeah. lost it again in that fashion, and then he loses. Kane gets drafted to Raw um, six days before his title defense, so like Kane's dropping the belt, and he? Yeah. he loses it to Mark Henry. Yeah, and they kind of telegraphed that because Mark Henry gets drafted to ECW. Yeah. Big Show goes to SmackDown, Kane goes to Raw, and there's a triple threat match. You're like, yeah. who is it? The, the ECW guy is going to win. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a no brainer. Yeah, but then Kane would win. Would be He's the only guy who went the WWE, ECW, and World Heavyweight title, and he'd complete that try. Well, Big Show's got it too. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, oh, yeah, he did, he did it later, but uh, he was yeah. the first guy he to do it. He was the first guy to do it. I thought it was Big Show that was the first. No, he, that was WCW, not the World Heavyweight. Because yeah, he would win oh, WWE's right, version of what, in like 2012, so. 2013, Big Show. Mm-hmm. But Kane would win the Money in the Bank ladder match in 2010, the first time they did the Money in the Bank preview. We've talked about the history of Money in the Bank show, where Kane would win that, and he would, he would win a few people who were like, I'm not wasting time, I'm doing it the same night. Which is one of the things, like, why did no one do this before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like, especially against giving Rey Mysterio the champion, he was injured, and look at the size of Kane compared to Rey, poor Rey Mysterio. I think the thing about Kane's title reign is it was kind of marred by the fact that they repeated the whole Undertaker storyline yet again. No, it was... Well, he needs to get his win eventually, because every time... Well, he got three Kane, of them. Uh, yeah, three of them. Before, was, um, Pritchard Kane never beat Undertaker in the yeah. first... Yeah, that was part, part of the build. Tiger basically said, "This is just going to end the same way as it always does yeah. with me beating you." And Kane went on to beat him three in a row. So, buried alive by the Nexus for no payoff. Mm. I know because it was going to be bad at the Undertaker at me, and then decided, "Nah." No, I think Kane as well once again suffered from poor booking because his title win. He was starting to do great promos because Undertaker was injured, and everyone was really behind him, and people always. Nowadays, see, because the whole authority cane and like corporate cane, people when they do these lists about cane, they always put him at the end mm-hmm. of like the the money in the bank winners. People forget he was so over at this time. They watch the match, the pop they get. The match striker always shouts, but he has to shout even louder to yeah. be heard over the commentary. People are so happy that Kane eventually gets a proper world title in as well. Mm-hmm. And it would have just been weird if seen, obviously, the big red monster carrying around a big blue yes. case. Yeah, <laughs> it, just, it just completely just didn't work oh, for him. Speaking of, of blue, I haven't even got a chance to mention yet, when Kane is drafted to SmackDown in 2009, <laughs> and if he can edit, if he can work this same bit in when he's drafted, and Tom Grissom's over-top reaction to seeing Kane get drafted to SmackDown, just, it, Kane! Uh, I, the draft was always full of cheesy calls like please be someone big and then oh my god it's the big show that's been drafted <laughs> but then this 
if anyone's ever seen that, it's it, it's Christian, and it's just <laughs> such an underwhelming call. This more than made up for that. For the fact he just goes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> his voice breaks. Yes, Kane. Uh, yeah, yes, Jolly. How do you think the big red machine feels about wearing blue? Well, I was was not allowed to be his haberdashery. <laughs> like, all right, Jr. And then you know, like would lose the tail to Edge in a TLC match, and then like, you go back to again another random tag team with the Big Show, and then Keane would be written out by uh, being attacked by Mark Herring in the midst of his Paula Payne run, and then we get these vignettes teasing that Keane was coming back, but he was coming back with the mask on. Uh, what do you guys think? Think putting the mask back on Keane was the right decision because like a lot of people were unhappy when he took the mask off originally. I. Remember, obviously, with the May nineteenth, they were teasing the mask, and then uh, obviously Andrew mentioned they not just attack Rey Mysterio, because mm-hmm. uh, remember at that time he was he held his own mask up, like he brought the mask back. When yeah. I used to hide under a mask, like you uh-huh. thought, are you going to put the mask back on? And mm-hmm. he just kind of throws it away. Uh-huh. But the promos leading up to it was like a gun and a match, and uh-huh. like Kane yelling in a room. But then you, you seen the eyes, but then like a bit of red around mm-hmm. them. So you're like. Is it actually the mask? I remember he had like the pre-mask as well. Mm-hmm. Had, like, the welder's mask. Uh, the yeah, welder's yeah, mask. mask. Yeah. And then he pulls it off, and it's like this half mask, and everyone was like slating it, going, "Oh my god, it looks stupid!" Like Kane's got the mask back. Yeah, like, no, I thought it was. I thought it was good because they, they built it up, and it was like obviously it's kind of reinventing his character again. But the thing is, still, everyone thinks he's coming back as a face, and then what does he do? He attacks John Cena. Yeah, because yeah, it's in the match. It's a. Uh, Cena versus Mark oh, Henry. Right. Mark Henry's the world champion, you think. Right, is Kane appearing? Is Kane, like, is he going to like, put himself in the world title match this Sunday? Or is, is like, when Mark Henry's done with the big show, is he going to be in the world title match? And he stares Mark Henry down and ignores him yeah. and goes for Cena. Yeah, because in the same time, frankly, they, they did away with us after a few weeks. He started this weird choke finishing where basically he just smothers people. It's like a mandible claw almost. Aye. And what was weird about that is that was an alternate finish in the next WWE game. So occasionally, every now and then, when you press finisher, instead of getting the tombstone, you got that stupid, like, joke <laughs> thing. Just that, which just goes to show again that uh, WWE has a great idea and then they just, like, waste it on. Yeah. Because uh, Cena was never losing that feud. No, no, exactly. Because he, he was facing the rock. Ah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they wanted them to turn, like, heel to try and get, basically get Kane to embrace the head. Yeah. To turn heel. Well, I suppose it was kind of capitalising on the fact, you know, Cena was getting booed and stuff and he's saying, turn heel, turn heel. That's yeah. kind like, of what Kane was doing, really. And like, Cena probably wouldn't have turned heel, but if, it probably been better off if he had turned heel at the end because he was going into a match with The Rock in The Rock's hometown. He was going to get booed regardless, so mm-hmm. basically it would have been good if they had made something out we of it. We did get that very great, uh, what is it, <laughs> when it's, uh, John Cena looks into the camera and he gives it oh, his angry oh, face. Yeah, it's, uh, oh, it, was like, it looked like he was going to hulk up almost. It, it looked like, like a toddler I've been telling you're getting next week's before that. <laughs> I thought he was like constipated. And then Kane throws poor Zack Ryder in his wee wheelchair off the yeah, stage and that was the end of his push. We, we talked earlier about uh, how in the Vince McMahon Austin story line everything else got swallowed up in it this is around about the time that everything included John Cena everything gets swallowed up and Zack Ryder's title run Eve Torres's any credibility she had as a wrestler went Kane's comeback went because yeah. he was building up to The Rock and it was just like this is this is this has happened to Kane again like yeah. he's just he's such a big part but he's not the part mm-hmm. of the story that, that mm-hmm. is important you know, it's like everyone was wasted in that feud. It was like like Zack Ryder again. He was just he was he made himself get over, and then they were like, 
Nah, and then he got his push. Yeah. It's like Vincent, you want a push, I'll give you a push. <laughs> but then Kane would be inserted into the world the WWE title feud between Punk and Brian and also being involved in the picture with AJ where you didn't know who AJ's loyalty was to. And then she was trying to hit on Kane and then Kane with the understatement of the central like I'm not exactly boyfriend material, like, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we, we, we've seen that, mate. I was going to say, Kane's had probably more girlfriends than what she and Punk's had by this time, you <laughs> yes. know? I know. And, uh, more girlfriends than I have. <laughs> That's not hard. Have <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, you considered wearing a mask? Dave, maybe you'll get more dates. <laughs> no comment. Just become seven foot. I mean, you can. <laughs> but, the big Hawkeye machine. Uh, <laughs> just wear stilts in shoes. But, like... Like you've yeah. talked about your like I love of comedy wrestling and Kane he's shown it every, and now and then like he had that moment the Canaanites moment back in 2002 and the reaction of the rock mouth and Canaanites mm-hmm. and, but then I think this is where the like, first time in a long time he got to show his true like comedic side when he was kind of thrown together yet again it seems the story of all his tag teams with Daniel Bryan but I think this really helped Kane this time because he could it would be easy for Kane as a character if you're kind of out of date in 2012 in WWE and kind of the the PG era, I think this really helped him become a big part of the show. Yeah, for me, like that, I don't remember that quite vividly, especially their sessions with Dr. Shelby. Uh-huh. <laughs> and particularly, my favourite moment from that was when Kane was asked to talk about his history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we'll get Kane back again. He's <laughs> like, my brother tried to, my brother burned me and stuff <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I have an unhealthy obsession with Pete Rose <laughs> I've been married divorced tombstone the priest of my ex-wife's wedding <laughs> it's the way he says I have an unhealthy obsession with t- obsession with torturing Pete Rose he just and like because he rattles everything off dead quickly like I did this 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 and I, and I have an unhealthy obsession with torturing <laughs> Pete Rose <laughs> and then you just it, pans out, the camera pans out and everyone's just wide-eyed looking at him going what the hell <laughs> what is this? And Dr. Shelby's just like, okay, you thank got, you for sharing. You've got fellow uh, therapy member Harold, played by Scorpio Sky of SCU. SCU! <laughs> and but Brian was saying as well, like, there was a network special, WWE Untold, where he, when he was filming those skits with Kane he was just like, this is garbage, like, this is so cringy, yeah. but you have to give credit to the editors though like the way they he, he himself said if it wasn't for the editors making it as good as it looked it probably wouldn't have been as effective as you know what it would look like behind the scenes uh-huh. so I mean props to the editors for making it look good I mean Brian it was doing a lot of good for Brian as well because he's been doing the whole yes thing he's been a heel now he's transitioning to be a face he was doing the whole he's starting to say no instead so it helped Brian show more because before then oh. he was just oh, Daniel Bryan's that underdog he was a good wrestler in the end but now he's in the big time now I'm the tag team champions. Yeah. As I said, the one of the funniest things is obviously they had the was it six man tag and the Undertaker was there and Brian's trying to hug the Undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the, the hug, hug it out. out. Yeah, and there was like either of a match or tag team or hug it out, and yeah. they spent like ten minutes just awkwardly like mm, hug it, hugging, hugging, and but yeah, that was just an entire segment for them, and it was arguably one of my favourite Kane skits ever. I think yeah. we could argue Brian was probably Kane's best tag partner. I think they had one of the longest tag reigns that Kane's ever had, and. It's 245 weird. days. Thank you, Statsman. Mm-hmm. But like the way they won it as well, because we Brian basically pushing Kane off the top rope on a poor Kofi <laughs> Kingston, and basically that's how they win the titles, and they go on this long run before they yeah, lose them to the Shield. I feel yeah, bad for Kofi as well. Yeah. a £320 mm-hmm. man just literally just squashing him. I remember as well, primetime players were about to get pushed at this point, and then 
such as the popularity of Kane and Brian, it's happened many a time where one wrestler's going to get a push and someone else gets popular. Let's look at it. They just kind of the week before went, oh, by the way, you're going to put your tag title match on the line against Kane and Daniel Bryan, mm-hmm. and they were just written out. Like, yeah, they weren't on Night of Champions at all, it was just yeah. done. And then, uh, <coughs> the, like Annie said, they defend the titles at WrestleMania because the tag titles didn't really get a focus. Mm-hmm. That time they got the titles against uh, Dolph Ziggler, who had the money in the bank and cashed in the next thing, and Big E. Mm-hmm. And then they were kind of just kind of just casually go this every race because they did this whole week link storyline and then Brian wanted to be a tag team with and your team RK No as he was trying to call them and then Brian would like he was getting super popular and he would go in his foodway match we seen and then Brian would be able to take off after that and then Kane just kind of disappeared he was attacked by Bray Wyatt he would he just faded off he actually as we talked he's now been a US champion he, he got a US championship match on mm-hmm. a pay-per-view that's right yeah against MVP Dean Ambrose well, he faced MVP as well, and I think it was Taboo. No, Cyber Sunday, two thousand six. Yeah, they had that as well. And also MVP, they had that Inferno match. The only Inferno match Kane's ever won. And Quackus, one of Chicago's favourite segments, Kane was involved in with Kane, with MVP, Undertaker, and Mr. Kennedy. Quackus just trying to yeah. Listen to our SmackDown one thousand preview show to hear Quacku tell that story because. He'll oh go into God, a fit yeah. of laughter again, as trying to tell it again. Alan as well. Alan just absolutely <laughs> loses it. And so from here, when King comes, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's off. He's off now. Yeah. As Quacko tries to refrain from laughing too hard, we'll talk about when King came back after a few months of being taken out by the Wyatts, and then he'd be he still he tells Stephanie Man because the authority are really starting to take over the show. You okay, Quacko? No. <laughs> 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 He's gone. You thought you were probably trying to take over the show. So Kane tells Stephanie the monster is yours to unleash, so. <laughs> keep that in. Oh, please keep it in. <laughs> right, well, well, let's know you're that turn of phrase. Are you talking about the monster? Or are you that's that's <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. No. Of all things, that's the one that gets. <laughs> <laughs> so Kane takes his mask off <laughs> <laughs> and hands it to Stephanie Big Man and she just holds up trying for this mask with this really crappy looking wig she just holds up trying and then the next time you see Kane he's in a suit suddenly Kane's got a Twitter account <laughs> God, it was oh, just horrible. Really it was ridiculous when it came out. It was terrible. They, I, mean, I thought it was a Drew Carey bag. Yeah, know? I'm trying to keep the hot dog vendor. So they they really did pick and pick and pick at his character till there was nothing left, didn't they? He did get pretty in shape though when he yeah, was complicated. Oh, he was built a brick, you know what house? But you know he was. Mm. <laughs> Aye, but like he's, he's kind of his attire was basically a lot like uh, Baron Corbin now because Baron Corbin would wrestle in his full like vest and suit and all that. Like look at Baron Corbin, like at least Kane took his shirt off. Mm-hmm. And like, I think the big issue with King King, I think, got voted like most overrated mm-hmm. around 2014, 2015, because him and Big Show were like the authorities' heavies oh, at this that. point. Yeah, I hate and that they kind of like, finish. I, they, they took out everybody in the Royal Rumble. Dolph Ziggler came, they go out. Ambrose take him out. Bray Wyatt take him out. And then like they had the thing with the Rock. It helped defend them off to help Roman Reigns. So like they were just. Kate, That's gotta be Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> like Kane wasn't doing, it wasn't really bad at his role. It's just the fact that he was just over, constant, uh-huh. it was just too much. Um, yeah, it was over saturation at that point. Because he was in a lot of world title matches. He was always 
He was then Randy Orton's like heavy. He was putting world title matches to get uh, Randy Orton the win. Mm-hmm. He was put in matches to help Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. Big Show was like he fought Roman Reigns just about every single week on Raw. This is when yeah. I used to have Tuesdays off and I would religiously watch Raw live. And this was remember the time I just started going. Maybe I could pick up a shift on a Tuesday and not watch this anymore. Like, yeah. my God, it's awful. And Roman Reigns was calling him Triple H's lapdog and Randy yeah. Orton's bitch and everything. It was just, it just made him look stupid half the time. Yeah, because like he, he would occasionally go back to the car, uh, mask because like he had a match we ran, we sorry Daniel Bryan after Bryan won the belt and he would try and kill Bryan, tombstone him on the on the steps and that a random match on sorry, Extreme Rules where Brian jumped off a forklift with a headbutt or something like that. Yeah. Kane went through a flaming table on that match as well. So right. yeah, yeah, that's a bit random. It's like yeah. Brian has his big moment and it's like now you're facing Kane. Yeah, yeah. he's a he's a missing out the most important the fact that Kane at WrestleMania 30 had the honour of teaming with Billy Gunn. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, the new age outlaws. The old, uh, you mean you had the honour of being squashed the old for like two minutes, yeah. Well, the old, the age, old age outlaws, that yeah, was crazy. Cr- I, I love the Usos now, like, that it's just their personality and it's them split, slagging each other and having a laugh. Whereas back when it was like, the happy, we like to dance and we have face paint, mm-hmm. and it was clearly WWE writing these unnatural lines for them. Yeah. And. Mm-hmm. Um, he would pick it, he was kind of basically Seth Rollins' babysitter and the thing is Seth Rollins was the heel champion he was kind of hiding behind Kane and hiding behind J&J Sakura and he's like, so like I don't need Kane and then Kane goes away and then he does I think this is quite funny when Kane came back he had that one-off feud, uh, match with Rollins for the title but he was on Raw he was switching between the two he was acting all oblivious like hey hey Seth he's got a mug that says the world's best director of operations mm-hmm. like, I, I like the Jekyll and Hyde aspect his comedy work was very good it's just the fact that remember this time and I'm not one to talk but the gut started to appear that we associate <laughs> with Kane nowadays he was less in shape because he was obviously working towards a political career and he was getting older mm-hmm. and it was just like he couldn't go in the ring as he could mm-hmm. uh, he was starting to wind down a bit definitely uh, I think the fact that you know he was pursuing other options outside of wrestling as well like, he is a very intelligent guy to say the least and, yeah. you know he won the second WWF Weakest Link show yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mask and attire. Yeah, full mask and attire. Yeah. Came yeah. down to him, him, him and Bubba Ray Dudley. Ray Dudley yeah. mm-hmm. oh, I remember watching that episode of Because Link and Taylor. I just loved it because Kane was in, and I was so happy to see Kane. When the, more important than Kane winning any title, Kane won the weakest link. <laughs> like <laughs> choke slammed and Robinson. Tombstone and Robinson. Like you reminded me of that Linda McMahon when that tombstone. Yeah. <laughs> and like. Like one of the funniest things also about Kane's Jekyll and Hyde one is he came out, he potentially broke his ankle. He comes at the the ambulance as Kane and just stomps his broken leg bare and suddenly he can walk fine again. Right. And then he was he was kind of then this is where he was a true part time. He'd come out occasionally in like 2016. He was appear here and there. They had a brief like reunion with Daniel Bryan's team here on the work. Kane quoted in sync. Like I think it's fair to say every time Kane comes back, it's kind of. Diminishing returns yes. as hard as it is for me to say that. Like, just like coming back and like it just seems pointless when he comes back. I really, really wanted them to win that tag title because I remember this was about the time the Bludgeon Brothers and for some reason where Raw had no tag teams, SmackDown had too many, but Bludgeon Brothers weren't. The, you were like, who's the obvious choice for them to defend against? And then all of a sudden, Kane reappears. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted them to win, but then it was like. Kane's comedy is good. Team Hell Knows comedy is good. The New Day's comedy is good. 
but then when they tried to put them both together in one big massive segment, it just didn't work. It yeah. was like two great things that don't go together. <laughs> and uh, like you said, but I think the main reason Kane wasn't coming back is obviously because he was pursuing his career in politics and he would eventually become the mayor of Notts County, Tennessee. And like you think about Kane as a character and all the things he's done, like, yeah, that man's a mayor now. I liked his uh, slogan, his logo, uh, the wee fire. I know. And then he'd cut, he did a speech at some convention, and some guy like had to kind of interrupt him, and then he just put the mask back on and choke slam this prolix stage guy through a table and just went back right back to his speech. Like, so as I was saying, schools. <laughs> I again, it it goes to show like he he recognises you know his his history as a superstar and the fact that he's incorporating it into his mayoral gimmick. I think it won a lot won over a lot of votes because like he went to Saudi Arabia and like did you say mayoral gimmick? Also a gimmick. No, it doesn't say well. His, well, the fact that he was pursuing becoming mayor and stuff. It's the fact he's referring to his old gimmick. Uh, that's what I meant. To I say. remember, like when he decided to come back for that horrible match at Crown Jewel. WWE donated money to some charity and not local charity, Notts County, to get Kane to come and there's all like, hi, I know you're you've got a city term, but can you just pop up the mask back and come out of Saudi Arabia? I hated the feud for the simple fact that it stemmed from the Super Showdown where. Kane stood on the side, still injured, just to be in Undertaker's corner, whereas Shawn Michaels kept interfering and Triple H cheated to win the match. But then once they attacked, once they got the retribution after the match and attacked them, the build-up was the Brothers of Destruction of the Heels. Oh, what, what a bunch of bullies they are. Oh, they wrong and sick. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been a great match in 1998, but in 2018 it was 20 years too late. Yeah. Uh, you, want he, this, you want a classic match, just throw up. Tens of millions of pound dollars yeah. at it. <laughs> and, uh, even Shawn Michaels, you see him on camera going like that to Triple H, we're too old for this. Yeah. It's a match where Kane's mask fell off, Undertaker couldn't do an Irish whip properly, Triple H tore his bicep, and Shawn Michaels just went, I shouldn't have came back. Yeah. It's just, it's a match where everything goes wrong. Did his yeah. hair fall out during the match, or, you know, because that's how... His hair fell out the idea of going to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Well, he's, like, gr- he's grown it back short now. I wish he had had it then because it just looked wrong. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, because when he had it cut, it looked alright. Yeah, like, he just he doesn't look good when he's like bald. Yeah, like skinhead bald. As much as I like, yeah, I think for now it's basically sticks to what he's doing now and as a mayor. He's bringing a book out in November it's called "Mayor K: My Life in Wrestling and Politics." Was this his second book? I had wrestling. What was his? Uh, Journey into Darkness. It was uh, it was the cafe backstory written. I can't remember who wrote it, but I've heard the book is horrible. Yeah. His name's Glenn Kane, apparently. Glenn Kane. <laughs> <laughs> but before, as we're wrapping up, I just want to quickly go around everyone and say, but Kane, I ask, should Kane go in the Hall of Fame one day? And if so, is Kane big enough to headline a class? Dave, I'll start with you. Oh, he definitely should go in the Hall of Fame. No doubt about it. Uh, should he headline though? Possibly, but I think if he goes in the same year as Undertaker, maybe they go in as the Brothers of Destruction. Uh, mm. I'm not so sure, but I am optimistic that he will get a headline spot, maybe one year. But yeah, definitely should be in. I, th- I think like the Dudley Boys who we've seen inducted and who Christian, who we one day, one day will see inducted as well, I believe he's big enough to headline, but much like these guys, they uh, Dudley Boys were up first as a crowd pleaser. Christian will be up as a crowd pleaser. I think Kane will maybe go in a year that maybe Undertaker or The Rock goes in and they, those guys will be the main eventer whereas Kane will be like the opener because it's like the Attitude Era fan favourite he's still beloved by everyone but he should definitely be in the Hall of Fame and I definitely think he should if if Diesel can headline a, a Hall <laughs> yeah. of Fame class no offence to Kevin Nash but K 
Kane's a bigger star. No, I feel like they're, they're running out of headliners anyways to put as their main, mm-hmm. so I think they will have them as a, as a headliner. And if they don't, I, I think they'll probably get put in at the same time as Undertaker. But he's a company man through and through, and he's done every gimmick they've thrown at him. He's done it well and sometimes not well. So I do think he deserves to headline... Um, and main event <laughs> headline uh, a Wrestlemania uh, what, sorry a headline a Hall of Fame yeah. sorry uh, I was exactly with Andy until he stumbled on his lines at the end yeah maybe he could be the botcher rager from now on but no I just thought of like headline and Wrestlemania Wrestlemania <laughs> as Andy Mitchell's uh, representative I refute that accusation and shut up David Hall <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I agree definitely obviously I think Kane should go in and I would like to see him headline because I think he's done enough for the company he's had a career long mm-hmm. enough and he's accomplished enough I think to go in a headline, headline spot and like you say like, we can't wonder like when we like Undertaker and like The Rock and Batista they've been rumoured for a while I think with their Hollywood careers it might be a while they go in but I think I could actually see Kane going in sometime within the next couple of years now that he's pretty much fully retired now as a doing like his job as a mayor I want to see Mr T interrupt his speech and go how do you like it <laughs> <laughs> maybe Pete Rose will come out yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say if anyone was going to induct him I'd like it to be Daniel Bryan to be fair, but no. Daniel Bryan would Daniel be Bryan will induct him probably because yeah. like if Paul Baird's still been around it would be nice for yeah. him but I think if anybody's going to do that it should probably should be Bryan why not X-Park <laughs> we don't talk about their past <laughs> thank you very much I was really gone with that one time tag team <laughs> and on that note we'll wrap it up there Thank you everybody for thank my panel for joining me, David. Thank you, Ross. Kane. And Andy, representative Quacko. Thank you very much. Thank you all for joining us. Remember to subscribe to us on all good Android podcast sites, whether that be Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram at Suplex Retweet. Uh, check out our backlog and make sure you tune in next week where Strack will be in the hosting chair where we look back at the history of TNA's X Division. And I'm on that show and I'm expecting retribution for the comments I made about Strack on the <laughs> Twisted Jericho show. Retribution? I just think you're going to get straight up murdered. He's going to rip you open like a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, tune in for what will likely be my last ever show on Easy Supplies Retreat after I am murdered on my own birthday by Strack. But until then, everybody, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of dick tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online, you should be subscribing, you should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions. Get on it right now!